Um, and bring some heat. He's got some good news lined up, so we're going to be getting into it. But before we do that, we've got to hit some sponsors up. Number one sponsor for Sam is um, the electricianspod.shop. My, oh, here we go. Electricianspod.shop, my shop, of course, that sells exclusively Verso at the moment. doesn't mean it's always going to. Um, but at the moment, we sell only Verso products, the best in the business, um, fuse balls designed for the installer um, and even the sockets and switches are designed to be easy to install they also have the highest quality and at a very affordable price point so head over to electricianspod.shop um, use hashtag laser eyes as your discount code and get free delivery why not um, and yes mark i do believe you're going to do our second sponsor our second sponsor who's your second sponsor Charvin Arnoux. Oh, of course, Shavinana for the power quality and data logging stuff, which is what everybody needs to be doing with their EV and solar PV installations. And you can go and check them out on the Shavinana website. And they have some webinars and podcasts over on their YouTube channel that Kevin has popped together as well. Really good stuff over there. Um, they're really trying very hard to be uh, a, an approachable brand, a knowledgeable brand. They do some good stuff. They're really trying to... Um, get their name out there as a technical hub of uh, approachability a technical hub of approachability come on um marco how the devil are you i'm very well thank you sam um i realize i'm about 10th on the list i imagine you asked nick Deva, jamie kimmy no. your mum and then resorted to asking me to jump on the live with you tonight so thanks i'm really looking forward to that one from this afternoon we've been having a little chat offline before we get into it, we should talk about your prior co-host, Mr. Bundy, and his very near 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, I know. So if you already subscribe to him, be sure to unsubscribe, just to make it harder. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. If you're one of those people who haven't subscribed to Nick's channel, go and do it now. Yeah, go and do Let's it. Let's get him to 100k so he can stop going on about it, because he's been hunting that down for a long time, and he earned every single bit of that success full you know credit what, to him do you know what i say about bundy's um quest for a hundred thousand it's probably one of the most pound for pound i would say bundy's hundred thousand are probably more electricians than any of the other influencers because bundy's not gone um balls deep on um shorts and stuff like that like the like the other influencers have which really can boost up your channel it's also a bit of a gamble because if you don't get them right and if you don't keep it up people don't come back to your channel and you have like three hundred thousand subs but most of them just sort of subbed whilst watching shorts so i'd say nick's nick's um viewership his subscriber base if you like is probably pound for pound the most solid you know how hard it is to pump your podcast out every week he's doing two no or three videos two or three videos every yeah. week on his channel full length electrical content you can't knock him um, no, so yeah fair. let's get let's get him to 100k no one's going to be not watching this who wouldn't subscribe to him anyway but we can pretend there might be so go off and get subbed over onto nick's channel i've got some news there do you want to hear a bit of news let's do it news first let's go first bit of exciting news is the ecn awards and apprentice one to one is up in the training provider category so we're one of the um nominees for winning that finalist um account counter group if you look who's actually in there you've got acur cef tech talks jtl and little apprentice one-to-one up to what win an award in there? they've got their technical hub haven't they for training all around fire safety and smoke detection so that's not big free resource they've got they have got an awesome legit training setup to be fair to them well done it's just fu- listen if you don't win that it's a fix I don't know, mate. There's JTL, CEF Tech Talks. They are pretty. Like, epic JTL in their dropped own the right. ball in many, many years. Like JTL, a bit of a, you know, listen, they do great stuff and they've been around for years, but they haven't kept up with the times. That's their problem. And they've dropped the ball in terms of, you know, staying sharp. Sometimes what happens is these organizations, they get so big and so complacent that they start not being able to move quickly to adapt with the times and get left behind a little bit. And I think that's probably what a one-to-one's done very well in recent years is just moving with the times. Cause like I say, like even when I speak to Neil and stuff, 
we're like, I don't know how Mark finds the time to have run a business, have a family, um, do a, a apprentice one to one, and produce content, and always answer a text message within three seconds, and read all of LinkedIn every single day. We don't know how you do it. I, I think there might, I think you might be like an identical twin or something. Oh, the- there's a select few people who get a response quickly on messages to me. There'll be people who watch this perhaps who realize that doesn't always happen with them. So you and Neil are in the, the tight circle of friends who get a fast response. I don't know why you're in there, to be honest. I should probably kick you out. But for the minute, you're still you're still in that car group of people. Oh, yeah, it's one of those, mate. It's it's nice to be uh, entered into that category. There is a few of the normal training providers in there as well, as I would call normal. Arena training from Sheffield and Inphase training as well. Why so is arena, at- she- arena training always shoehorned in? It's like the only other training centre that's got half a presence on the internet. That's all it is. They're like, who else should we put in? Oh, arena training pop up. It's so dumb. Well, fair play to him for getting themselves in there. I just wish everyone a lot of luck within the competition. Yeah, and here's it me does... slating your uh, your achievement. Sorry, mate. Not it's all right. sorry, it not does, sorry. It does it does lead on to another aspect around apprentice one to one though. There's another bit of news, and it's um, to do with recruitment of apprentices. So there's um, a group in the north of England who are actively trying to help apprentices get part time employment. So there's a lot of employers out there who can't give people a full time opportunity. So they're kind of joining dots a bit in the way that that I do, but more officially with a core group of employers to shift people around and get through oh, their apprentice. Yeah, get through their apprenticeships. So they're called EN Able Futures. So that's EN, and then the word Able and Futures. They're up in the north of England, and that news is on the ECN website. It'll be in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes and check that out. So if you are an apprentice, there'll be schemes like that all over the country as well, and they're the kind of things we need to share more widely because people don't necessarily know to go and look for stuff like that yeah I, I mean to be honest with you it's a funny old game like the um training providers because we are we've we, we're not sponsored but we do support um maidstone electrical academy because i've been down there we've done a podcast with them in person um kevin and um the other guy down there they're so fantastic they love the trade they've been on the tools they've they've been on the tools in america they've gone all around they went around just sparking as young lads they went around traveling and sparking like i wish that i i wish that i was sensible enough at that age to go and do that they literally traveled around the world pick with their tools getting to see like miami and stuff like that in its heyday while sparking earning a fortune like that that's really something to behold i think and then they've come back and you ask kevin anything technical he's like a he's like a walking regs book he really is um so when when you find people like that like him like gary hayes another top bloke who for years 18 years was a teacher at at colleges and stuff and, and really knows these ones and twos about about the trade these people are invaluable and a real and you know what? They don't get enough recognition because most colleges, most teachers aren't that good. Yeah, that's fair. And I think your podcast you did with those two guys came over really well. That was an in-studio podcast for anyone who watched it. Go and check it out because Sam has spoke to those two guys. And as you say, they've got a wicked centre and really nice people as well. So it's important that we share those things out as much as we learn about the bad stuff. We might hear about some of the bigger training providers. So full full credit to them. Um, it's pretty epic what they've got set up in Furnace. Looks absolutely mint. It is, uh, and and they never stop investing as well. But listen, what what news have we got, Mark? Because like I've done enough ass kissing right now. Oh, oh before okay. we get onto the news, old side like I don't know if you've noticed this about Jamie. Like Jamie does the best, one of the best Sparky uh, Instagrams. He really does. But have you seen how out of hand these sideburns are getting? I've noticed you trying to mock him for that on some of your Instagram posts about him being an engineer. Wait, his sideburns, sideburns have got a double lick on them. I don't understand what they're about. They're about eight foot long. Does he not know we're not in the 90s anymore? He's maybe trying a bit of a retro look, bringing back sideburns. I don't know. He's, he's very close to being uh, not passing the babysitter test, if you ask me. No, my God, I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you. Absolutely <laughs> no way whatsoever. 
So but no, apparently he's some... hold on. on. Apparently he's ill again. Oh, poor little baby Jamie. He's ill again. Um, he's not. He's not. He's just being a dick. Probably don't want to speak to you when I can't say I blame him for that, to be honest. This is true. This is true. So there's some of the, some of the news, and you probably resonate with this, Sam, because it says a fifth of trades are injured breaking health and safety regulations. So 46% don't take the necessary health and safety measures while they're at work. And that's on an article on the Electrical yeah. Times website. So that's the kind of thing where you might be having to, I don't know, grind a bit of conduit down or something, and you're just like, mm, safety glasses are over there in my bag. Can't be bothered to go and get them. I'll just quickly do it. What's the worst that can happen? And that's the time that the disc explodes on you and you become one of those statistics. No, do you know what? If you don't have safety glasses, you have safety glasses built in. It's this, look. With your laser eyes. No, like this, look. Just squint. Just it's fine. Squint. Yeah. That but no, work. in fairness, with this whole health and safety thing, I think that number's low. I think it's really low, and I'll tell you why. Because there's so much health and safety rules that it's impossible not to be in breach of one of them whilst you're working. That is the other side of the argument, isn't it? That when it's imposed to such draconian measures, people are more lax in places they maybe shouldn't be. As It has gone way over the top in some of these stupid nuts. regs. It's absolutely nuts. And I don't... Like, to be honest with you... Where, where I live down in Kent, coming from London, which it which was over the top crazy with health and safety, and then you come down to Kent, which is 20 years ago. It might as well be 20 years ago down there because health and safety is non-existent down there. Like all the glasses and gloves and hats and all that, really, you can just get away with wearing um, bloody high-vis. That's it. And this is on big commercial clerk of high visibility that keeps you safe from anything. I know it's like I was. I remember being on an ISG site, and I'm like a dog with a dog with a postman when it comes to ISG because I absolutely hate them. Them, them sites. They are the worst sites out there for being assholes running them. Anyway, I was on site, and I was upstairs. I was in in like a little cupboard, and and I didn't have it on because I was sweating. It was like peak summer, and I was sweating. Geezer comes around, and goes, "I'll put your high vis on, mate." I was like, "Yeah, I probably should. Don't want to get run over." Do you know what I mean? Because that's all they was for. Because it's not that. It's so as we can identify you. I was like, well, because I can't just go and buy one of these for three quid in Screwfix and walk around, no? What are you talking about, mate? You're just being a dick. But again, I'm not the easiest person to manage, so I was probably being a dick. You don't say. You don't say. And the final bits of news I've got are kind of linked together, but not. So there's the uh, BBC article, which is London College have got an EV six-week course which you can take whilst you're on your apprenticeship and then be qualified as an EV installer to help fill the gap in skills, specifically in the London area. And that ties in with something where TESPA bringing forward the, um, what do they call it? There's the Electrician Plus, where they're going to have a, a logo on a course that's properly accredited to enable you to qualify to a higher standard of electricianing. What are your views on those things? Right, the first thing, first things first, this EV course, right? Six-week EV course to become an EV installer, which, as my co-host Jamie would say, is just a posh socket. Secondly, <laughs> right, well, it is, isn't it? It's just an outlet. Um, do you have to be an electrician or be in a, have any electrical qualifications to do that to become an EV installer? When they first put that out, no, you didn't. But they've since updated the website yeah. now to say that you do. And what qualification do you have to have? You have to have an apprenticeship. You have to have oh, finished your so training. So it's not open to like anyone. But no, it I was. Bet it if was you did... Go on. It was, it was leading to say that it was open to anyone. And one of the people who they put forward on that article is in, still in training to be an electrician. But since that has been brought forward, people have made some complaints about it direct to City and Guilds, and that has now changed. Yeah, well, obviously, because otherwise you'll have your postman going out there to, you know, oh, I'm going to go and be an EV installer, go and do a six-week course, and bam. It's just the same old thing. It's probably like that. I think you'll probably find if you pull if you pull back the curtain, it's like you've, you've got to have some sort of electrical qualification, whether it's, I don't know, like a level two or something, and I bet you can get on it. 
Yeah, most likely, most likely. And then when Tesla coming forward saying there's the Electrician Plus standard, and if you're already qualified as an electrician, all these areas of industry are open to you anyway. You just need to do some bolt on CPD. And they're kind of trying to accredit some of these courses as Electrician Plus. So we know the ones that we're taking are the ones we need. Because that's the thing I found going into solar. I wasn't sure which courses were the actual ones we needed to do. There are so many. And ironically, oh, okay. the one the one provider who doesn't offer a course or didn't was City and Guilds, because that's the one we all instantly look for, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So you're left with like BPEC, LCL, there's some um, equivalent courses. That, yeah, there's equivalent courses from NAPIT and NIC as well, and then some other private training providers, and you're not sure if that course ticks that box, if you know what I mean? So it kind of so, helps at that level. So if you're an electrician coming into solar now, Sam, and you look for a training provider who's offering Electrician Plus, you know that that course is going to be suitable for you going down the road of MCS registration and such. So here's the thing, right? Just going back to the EV installation, I've never done an EV install. Um, I've got a quote coming up next week for one. In your opinion, right, how valuable is doing the course to install an EV charger from a, not from like a boffin side but from a side of like right i've got an ev charger coming in do you think that an electrician has the required skill set to be able to install an ev charger without doing the course yeah totally the only thing you need to really be aware of is what's in the products and what isn't because you've got the considerations around your pen fault protection and your rcd protection but as long as you take that into account by um, reading the regs as they are and also understanding manufacturers' data sheets and instructions, you can get away with not having to do a specific course. I've done the EV course. I can't say it really improved me as an electrician. It was just a few hundred quid in a couple of days um, out of work going off to do it. That's the truth. If you're going into the larger scale stuff, I would say definitely that training is more useful. So we're talking about those DC to DC rapid chargers and the supply arrangements and things that are involved with all of that, that is way more complex. So definitely for that level, 100% some further training is much needed. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'd agree with that because if you can't handle an EV in, install on someone's house, like a basic bitch one, like you're gonna have a you've got a problem but if you're going like if you're doing some free phase one or some whatever one you just said i expect there's a lot more considerations to take in and as, as an electrician as all electricians i tell you um dc fighting's a life out of us yeah i think like the 22 kilowatt ac free phase charges is the limit of where that base level of electrician knowledge would go to if you're going up to the 50 kilowatt, 100 kilowatt, 300 kilowatt DC to DC charge points, there are extra considerations and knowledge we're going to need. And doing a course around that would be useful, hopefully, and um, enjoyable because we're learning something. We don't mind learning stuff as electricians, do we? We actually no. love it. The issue is when you have to go and sit on these courses where you learn nothing and it's just to tick a box to say you've done it and you've lost three to five days out of work for the process, got no better at the actual job you do. Where is the value for us in any of that? It's not there, is it? Yeah, no, I think that's what winds electricians up the most is because there's so many there's so many tickets we have to renew every couple of years that you just don't want to add another one that is just a box ticking exercise. Uh, it's just another expense you've got to lay out. You can't really, and it's not as if it makes you exclusive. Do you know what I mean? It's not like um like a gas safe almost that you know there's a set thing when once you've got gas gas safe you're you're in the money a lot of these things are just add-ons that you have to have to tick a certain box but really it doesn't give you any sort of extra earning potential it's just another headache to add on yeah do you think it's got worse since the Hackett report as well so since Grenfell and there's been this massive push at everyone doing CPD or do you think it's always sort of been there anyway no I think um I think CPD across the board has come in because of the hackett and I think it makes it I think it makes a mockery of what we do all this CPD stuff and and having a definitive name for what essentially is learning on the job drives me up the wall it's called experience it's what you do you pick it up as you go along and what you don't know you go and do a course on to get the knowledge it's not CPD like, why do we have to call it CPD? It's called experience. It's called evolving as an electrician. I don't know why we have to use these office bod terms as tradesmen. And this is something that, that electricians do that actually winds me up. We actually think, because we're electricians, that we're like, 
we're on a different level to other tradesmen in terms of we're almost like office bods using dumb shit terminology like that. And it just drives me up the wall. Like there's no need for it. I think that it's come from a place of been wanting to be seen to do something. It's an easy thing to do, isn't it? To just tell an industry to do some CPD. It's like, oh yeah, we've seen the issues that are out there. Everyone's going to try a bit harder and read a few more books and it'll all be fine. When the actual solution to those problems are way more complex, and if they wanted to do something about it, it would involve lots more effort. You yeah, know, that's, like, that's, look, that's looking back at apprenticeships, isn't it? And making sure there's an employed training routes for people to qualify, as historically they have done, and none of this fast-track nonsense. But they're not interested in that. They just want us to do some CPD. And, and the thing is, it's so easy to to say, oh, I've done 3,000 hours this, this year. I've done 300 hours a day this year. And they're like, oh, okay, have you got it? And you just throw throw down some professional electrician magazines um write down that you watch some efix episodes and it's all accredited cpd some a one-to-one stuff as well you could put down and and it's like that that's not really what it was intended for it makes a mockery of what it was intended for you can just say whatever and get your cpd allowance it's just pointless it's just another box ticking exercise and this is the thing that swamps our industry is bureaucracy yes we should have um regulation and um a certain amount of boxes to tick to make sure that we're safe and compliant but actually there's so many boxes that we have to tick to be safe and compliant it's almost it's almost like soul destroying and there's no sort of bonus at the end of it. There's no like you're not getting into this extra earners club doing all that. And that's what I think that's what drives electricians mad. If like there's no sort of extra earners for doing all these things. A lot of them are just low level box ticking. It's not like you go and do your two, three, nine once and now you can do testing and stuff. It's just well, that's, I don't, I don't I, like it. That's what I would call CPD. So I would call a two, three, nine, one CPD. It's developing your professional development isn't it it's the career development we all do i wouldn't say reading a magazine or doing a bit of a one-to-one content is really that that's just some wider industry opinion you're taking and i think we need to differentiate between opinion and actual competent uh, person development where you're building that career path for yourself with some actual um accredited and useful training i suppose yeah but that's this my, is that's my, my line in the sand and it's just my opinion no but this is my thing it's like Every electrician, if you're an electrician, right, the key to the key to earning more money is to do a, a is to add new skills to what you're doing. So we're going to do it anyway, right? We're going to do these things anyway to sort of mandate some of them. Drives me wild. Like I don't need it mandated. And then it's like uh, the like this year, I was meant to have done. Oh, did I do my 18th this year? Or was that last year? I can't remember. I think it was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, so every year I like to do a, a new qualification. Same as, and Jamie, Jamie's a big proponent of this as well. We like to do qualifications to keep us upgraded. And it doesn't have to be a big one. Like uh, I've just booked my triple STS just because I need it. Um, because I, every job, do you know what? Um, bit of a tangent about myself. Every job I'm walking onto lately, I'm just being told, oh, we need you to be a supervisor. And I think that sort of comes out because all the all the years in the game, I'm doing a lot of my own jobs now. And I think that sort of confidence is quite easily picked out when you walk on site. Or you just look old and they want the old people in charge. Listen, bitch, fat don't crack. I don't look old. <laughs> No, you're right. Having, having those kind of tickets are important, aren't they? Your S, S, whatever they are. There's loads of, I think there's a couple of different options, isn't there? There is. And well, so obviously I was moaning the other week about business slowing down and stuff. And it and it has, it, it really has. It's starting to pick up again. It's always the way. I had a couple of weeks of very slow. And so I just hunted around and I saw there's a job just down the road from me. I've gone on there. I was on there, I don't know, a couple of hours and I was asked to be the electrical supervisor um so it was fine i'll do that and then i've just been swamped with my own private work so i've been i've been working all weekend trying to catch up with private work again which it's not a bad position to be in but it's so up and down at the moment now i went and got a uh contract to do and yeah it's just it's a funny old game the electrical business and i think this year's been a funny old year i don't know what you're you're blowing up with work but that's i think you're a bit of a different 
different kettle of fish, isn't it? I think, I think anyone who's in, in the renewables solar kind of space are doing well regardless because there's a demand there for it. But more widely, you've seen a few big firms go pop, haven't they? Was it M MGM or whatever it was the other month? And another one as well that went, um, they're all running on tight margins. As Jamie sits and says, as your co-host very often, when you've got those margins so small, if something goes wrong, that's game over. Game Whatever over. size of business you are. Um, and then you've got 200 to 1,000 people. I mean, that was like Carillion all, all over again, wasn't it? Where, yeah. You know, that's yeah. a similar size business, although it didn't quite receive the same amount of news coverage. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's hard. I think in all areas of construction, new build houses aren't shifting in the way they were. No, nope. there's less gangs been taken on to make all that kind of stuff happen, and as a result, there's more labour force seeking a lot of less, a lot less of employment. Running on skeleton crews, just just yeah. keep it ticking over until until the economy picks up. So, and then, so what was this second part of your news? That was to do with MCS, and we spoke about this when I was going to come on the other week, um, and their change that's coming in for next year where you no longer need to be heist and wreck um, registered. What's heist and wreck? So they're like the consumer protection things that you have to have in place to offer contracts to your, your solar cons- customers and even heat pumps. This affects more industries than just our yeah, don't, own. Don't explain it to me. Don't act like I know what I'm talking about because I really don't. So, so go on. With, with, with your solar jobs, you would normally take a deposit payment up front to secure the contract. And at that stage, you're supposed to insure that payment with a consumer protection provider like Heiss or REC. Um, and then that gives some assurance to the customer that if you was to go bust or not turn up or whatever, that their money is safe and protected. And as part of being MCS registered and offering the service through them, you have to do that. From January, it's no longer compulsory. It's voluntary. So you can still choose to do it. And equally, when you've finished your installs, you don't have to offer an insurance-backed guarantee as you would have to at present. So when you finish your job, you go through the MCS process and then you put an insurance policy in place that if there's a defect on anything for a couple of years, even if you're out of business and disappeared, someone else will look after that because it is insured. But again, that's all stopped. MCS are moving away from so much focus on paperwork and auditing offices and looking more closely at what's going on out on site to try and be more I don't know, technically aware, if you like, of the installations that are taking place rather than some tick boxes in an office somewhere. So how is this going to work? Like, so what I'm starting to see, like, from the conversations we've had over the last year or so, MCS is getting watered down quite a lot, isn't it? So in terms of it's not mandating these insurances now, I know there's been a little bit of backtracking with Octopus and stuff about not needing to have MCS to get to get on to the these fancy tariffs. Um, but it does look like MCS is becoming less of a, a a thing that you really should have. I think MCS is still something I would say consumers would want to ensure they have got. And also as trades, you'd want to put it through that system as well. Um, if you're going to go through the process of still trying to get SEG payments, you will still need those MCS accreditations. Octopus still haven't done whatever it is they said they were going to do. Oh, okay. I'm, un- I'm unconvinced legally they will be able to, to be honest, but that's something for a- another day. I've actually got another bit of news about Octopus that we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, it's it's a big change because there's a lot less paperwork and bureaucracy now. And it's opened up a little bit more, I would say, to smaller contractors who want to come into the solar space because it cost me a lot of money to get to this stage where we are now doing well and seeing that growth. But if you haven't got that and you're a, a small one-person business, that kind of outlay was a roadblock to even getting started. So I think MCS are aware of that and they're trying to encourage more installers to take those steps because there is such demand. And we do need to massively upskill that sector with installers. So it's trying to ensure that they keep that bar high on quality, which is debatable for MCS installers anyway, but also um, encourage people in to fulfill the demand. Do you think, right, and this is a question that's just popped into my head, do you think there's a there's an a there's a way where like let me get this question out properly. Do you think by mandating certain criteria and levels that aren't really enforced properly will ever improve the industry? Or do you think that's going to come from electricians just wanting to be better? I I, I honest my I'll answer my half of that question is I honestly don't believe you can mandate, you can check, you can do all that sort of stuff. I don't think that's going to improve the industry any more than it has done. I think it's got like a 
gets to a point where it's not going to improve it anymore. It's hard to legislate at things, isn't it, to get it to improve or to encourage, I think. And there is a lot of that with contractors, especially in the solar space. There is that wanting to help each other be better and improve and do things and look at all the technology that's out there. We've just had PV Ultra that's come out to solve a long-standing problem for solar PV installers. So the manufacturers are on that, that road path as well. You know, you see it in wider society, don't you? When you've spoken about EV cars on this podcast, if I'm going to mandate to you, Sam, that you've got to get an EV car, the last thing you're going to want to do is get an EV car. But if I'm going to give you a compelling reason to want one and to have to have one, yeah. then you will make that choice yourself. So it's that yeah, encouragement aspect rather than forcing it through through laws. And that, that comes back to what the um, octopus thing was. One of the head honchos at Octopus Energy have come out I think it was yesterday or the day before, saying that they want people to be taxed for having gas boilers and not making an upgrade to heat pumps. And to me, that seems totally, totally devoid of the reality of most people's lives, that they have no prospect of being able to afford a heat pump. They can barely afford the energy bill for the month. And to then tax them even further because they can't afford to make that change makes that prospect even less likely to happen. So it seems like they live in a fantasy world that is so different to the normal person of the country. They're, you know, they're out of touch entirely. Do you know what? It's so funny. Like all this net zero and this race to be green and, you know, like getting everyone to be green. Do you know what the solution is? The, the, the solution currently is to just tax people mad <laughs> the world's going to end we're in a climate crisis oh i know how to fix it we just tax people more like that doesn't it's like it's just a tax on the poor because really poor people like myself can't go and buy an ev get an air source heat pump and a tesla powerwall and solar like if you if you needed to do all those things to avoid getting taxed you're better off paying the tax because that hundred grand that you would need to spend to be compliant with all this stuff that you need that they want you to have now. And I say they, who's they, but you know, like this, the, this agenda out there to get everyone to be carbon neutral and stuff. It's just not viable, especially, especially in the current economic state that, that we're in with the mortgage crisis, people paying an extra 800 pound a month, who were paying like £800, their mortgage has now doubled and now they've got to pay £1,600 a month. That is the money that was going to get spent on your green on, on your green renewable stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's 6 million people in energy poverty, isn't there, in the UK right now, which is a scandal in itself, to be totally honest. And then you see the standing charges all getting put up. So even if you're trying to reduce your consumption, they're still nailing you with that standing charge that they've yeah, got in there. Yeah, of course they are. And now they're on about these taxes because you can't afford to upgrade your gas boiler to, to a heat pump. And even then, you know, Octopus Energy are the ones coming forward offering these heat pump installations, offering solar installations. So it's in their business interests for these upgrades to take place. And, you know, we recommend Octopus to all of our solar customers because they do some wicked tariffs if you are in that um, catchment of finance to be able to afford that. They're really, really good. But there seems to be a total blindside and forgetting of all of the people who, who can't get there. And I thought that was poor from Octopus, to be honest. They want a good you know, statement. It, it is funny because when you see, like, how much money these, um, these uh, energy firms are making, it's almost like, well, if you're that bothered, why don't you pay? Why don't you come up with a scheme that subsidizes um, a new boiler install or subsidizes solar so people can afford it? You know, wrap it up in their energy bill for the next 10 years or something so people can get it and, and, and afford it. But they won't do that because it's too much risk. Um, and they actually don't care that, as much as they pretending they do. It's just another way of. I said this for years, right? And I said this at the beginning of this solar lock. One day there will be something called a solar panel tax. It's 100% coming because when all these energy companies can't eke out as much money as they can from you because you're generating, because soon there'll be solar panels that do a uh, thousand watts and stuff like that instead of 400. You're going to be getting all this super efficient stuff and the, the, the requirement to be connected to the grid will be a lot less in the future. And then how are they going to get their tax money from these uh, energy companies? They're just going to tax you direct. You're going to be getting solar panel taxes. I know it's going to happen. I think it already happens in Spain, doesn't it? I'm sure we spoke about that on a podcast a while ago, where they, they did do that in, in Spain, where a lot of people moved to solar 
um, and weren't consuming as much from the grid and they started taxing them for it. So you're 100% right. I'm so it, smart. It will, it will definitely happen. And, you know, they'll probably do something similar on electricity that we're pumping into our cars as well in some way. If you get oh, yeah, everyone solar thinks, panels, oh, yeah. there'll be an extra tax for that. You see the uh, the knobheads on Twitter going, oh, yeah, I paid 15p for for 300 miles the other day. I'm so great. Yeah, now you are. When everyone switched over to, to EV in 2030 and everyone's like, oh, yes, how, watch how all of a sudden the, ele- the, the, the price to charge your car is going to go through the roof. And if it doesn't go through the roof, they end up charging you per mile or something. Your road tax would be the new thing where it's per mile. And that start out at like a penny a mile. And then before you know it, it'd be two pound a mile. Yeah, I've seen it with the electric van. If I can charge up at home, I can sometimes get paid to fill my van up overnight on the energy tariff i don't know quite how that madness works but octopus will will pay you to consume energy i assume they've been paid by the grid to get rid of excesses or whatever but when i'm out on the motorway network i've done about five thousand miles in it now i can pay 80 pence a unit of energy going into there and that works out at a similar kind of cost of having a diesel van anyway so there's no real cost incentive if you're a tradesperson who's busy running around you're going to be on rapid charges more times than not that's the reality i've found of running that thing day to day you know what something else that wound me up yesterday two things wound me up yesterday one is not electrical related but it's related to the story so obviously i had um, quite a few jobs booked in yesterday and some of them i didn't even know what they was amanda just books in the jobs and i just go and do them um, so I got to one place and he wanted, he had little spotlights in the driveway. They wasn't working, um, but there was off a sensor and all that, all that had happened is the sensor had come loose. Um, so tidied that out, cleaned the sensor and all that sort of stuff. They come back on. Then he had a outside light, like security light with sensor on that wasn't turning off. So done a few bits and pieces, see if I could make it work, couldn't make it work. Went to CEF, right? Because it's Saturday and they were the only ones that were open up until 12, didn't they? Yeah. An outside security light. I was like, I just want a cheap one, mate. It goes, oh, yeah, I'll get you an entry level one. Yeah, but £35. How much was you expecting to pay? So here this then. So uh, screwing about that, I was thinking, that seems dear. Anyway, go to the next job now. And uh, it's an outside light again. But now it's after 12 o'clock. So I've got to go to Screwfix. Going to Screwfix, very similar light, entry level light, £12.68. These must be 10 watt lights, are they? That you? They're not. They were 20s. Really? That's Only little ones. I mean, I mean Screwfix, they have and tool station, to be fair to them. They have some power prices on cable and stuff like that. It's really hard for wholesalers to beat them. But 35 quid for a 20 watt LED does sound a bit steep in fairness and, and do you know what i had i walked in there i was like oh don't usually use cef and he's like oh why is that i was like because you're robbing bastards have you got a trade account with them or are you just the cash no just in? off the street i don't yeah i usually that's, have a that's trade the account thing with you, you get an account and you'll see 50 60 percent come off those prices I but think. isn't that a liberty though why are they doing that that's a liberty I think it's good in a way when you've got domestic customers rocking up to try and get some cheap gear when they're not actual electricians. But when you're a walk off the street trading spark who's just wanting a oh, quite clearly help, a spark. I've got like electrician written on my top. I've got, you know, I'm in my in my work trousers and boots and I'm quite clearly a spark. It makes a difference having those accounts made. Just open one. You don't have to get a credit account. Just have a cash account and you'll get those discounts. I think that's how it works, sadly. Yeah, what's this? Uh, David Savory, Sam, that screw fix light will be shite. A £35 for an LED floodlight is decent if it's the right brand. It was a Collingwood and it looked horrible. And it Collingwood's was... decent, that is a decent brand. What was your screw fix one? Lap, yeah, yeah. Well, that's your difference, right? Guarantee they lost the same amount of time, bro. I bet you they were, but yeah, maybe, maybe. You're mad if you think there's much difference between them lights. I put a post out about that the other week that all LED lights are just guff and it's a total lottery as to which ones will work for exactly. as long as the other. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, of all of them, Collingwood, I'd say, have got probably one of the better brand reputations. David would know better than anyone. He's done loads of those reviews on his channel. Then he have some trouble with a, a BG one on his neighbor or something. I remember him posting about not too long ago. Uh, from see, they are Prolec. 
My go-to floods are now from CPC. They are Prolec. I know, listen, I know everyone thinks LAP's jank, but to be honest with you, some of their stuff's not too bad. All right? I mean, the circuit accessories are definitely at a budget level, but when you can get a socket for around a quid. Yeah, no, no. I would never use their accessories and stuff like that. I don't... It's not that I want to buy cheap. I just... I just thought 35 quid, like... It just seemed a liberty to me. Sometimes it's it's handy with screw fix and tool station. I'll be honest, the other night, I, what was I doing? I think I was stripping some paint and I couldn't find my scraper. I thought, I know, I'll go to screw fix. Seven screw o'clock fix. at night, they're, they're yeah. open. Yeah. And they've got it. It's yeah. like fantastic. See, Jamie hates screw fix, but I actually love it. You can go there and get pretty much anything. And the greatest thing is, if your screw fix has the, uh, the trade entrance uh, for electricians and plumbers. I know what you're going to say already. I love going in there. I just walk straight in there. <laughs> Bye, peasants. There's nothing worse than a civilian being at the counter asking a load of dopey questions to some to some dope behind the thing who don't know anything about DIY. They're just there uh, getting their getting their wage. They don't know nothing about uh, about drills and oh, this connection seems to not fit on this bit of pipe. But really, I'm wondering if there's an adapter. Could you help with that? They're like, no, bitch. This is an internet based shop. Go do your research. But no, they stand there for about two hours asking a load of dumb questions. And you could just swerve that by going in the tradesman entrance. I love it. And you get a proper coffee cup size drink out of them as well. You know, when you normally go to the wholesale and you get one of those tiny, tiny cups. Oh, I hate it. There's none of that at Screwfix. If you're ever going there, they give you a proper size cup. Um, And then to top it off, my day of getting done over, right? Went to... um. So we went pumpkin picking last week, which I, I did say to Amanda, we're a bit early doing this pumpkin picking. I mean, <laughs> what be going I, off by now? <laughs> yeah. So we got we got a load, spent twenty quid on them last week, right? Because what the reason we went early this year is because last year we went like the day before, and they had no pumpkins left at this pumpkin picking place. So this year she wanted to go early, so we went on the first day, got all these big pumpkins, bought them back, they all gone rotten. So. I was driving on my little journey, like because we live basically in the countryside. I saw this little um little place that looked all nice and Halloween-y. Went in there and bought two big pumpkins and a little pumpkin. How much do you think that was, bruv? If that was a proper little pumpkin place, I bet you didn't get much change from 50 quid or something. No, it was £22. I'm surprised it was that cheap because we've been done. I was fumed. There's a lot in it. Mate. Especially when you're just gonna hack it up and stick it on your windowsill or your doorstep. So essentially, I've done nigh on 50 quid on pumpkins this year. I was like, next year, babe, we're buying two pumpkins. That's it. I am not getting into this. I, and the thing is, it's my ass that's got to carve the pumpkins, do the pumpkins, sit there. And I take them things very seriously. I'm quite good at pumpkins. So, but now I've got about 15 pumpkins to, to do. Hey? Got, get that on your CV for the next job you go to. I'm wicked at pumpkins. Well, I'm quite good at pumpkins. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> They're you about know. £2.40 in Lidl's. I got some today. Nice That's what I'm saying. Ones. So, yeah, pumpkins wound me up. CEF wound me up. You, you've got to give it to CEF, though. They've got everything in there. Yeah, they do. And to be fair to them, who is offering like the technical talks at the level they do on a nationwide basis, accessible to anybody, yeah, you know, you'd expect like, the likes of the NIC or whoever to be doing stuff like that, and they just don't do it anymore. CEF pitch up and do it. There is a there is a payback for them because obviously they've got a captive audience to get signed up to their wholesale network and sell stuff to. But regardless of all of that, the content they pump out is off the charts for me. Pretty yeah, decent. I know I've mocked, I've been horrible about them in the past, but you just I'm almost like a uh, like a fly a moth to the flame, if you like with CEF, because you know you're going to go in there, they're going to have coffee, they're going to have toilets, they're going to have um, they're going to have all the little bits and pieces you need. You like, I like to go in there and have a little browse and see what I, some nonsense I don't really need to buy, but I'm going to buy it just because I've got a few quid on my hip. And I love all that. I, that's my, I love that little experience. And they do that better than any other wholesalers. You go in there, little way go this and a little drill bit that. And, you know, oh, a tape measure reduced. Decent. I love that. And they do that better than anywhere else. Um, and their, their online presence as well. If you want to order stuff, 
off the internet from a wholesaler. I don't think any of those get close to them, to be honest. Up to, I think it's seven o'clock, you can place an order and next morning you can have it on your doorstep and pretty much anything. Yeah, look, Tony Clark, that's perfect CPD for you, Sam. Pumpkin design, dickhead. <laughs> I love that. That's true. You could get it. C- Please do get it CPD accredited. Pumpkin carving with Sam. Oh, look, Tim Larson, fifty quid on pumpkins, but ten pound on an LAP flood. All right, listen, I'm getting, I'm getting. Oh, you've right been off on here. there. You've been on there. You work pay for a floodlight, but you're happy to chuck a load of dough at some pumpkins to rot on your doorstep. Yeah, but I always think like I've got an L- LAP floodlight on the back of my house, right, for the garden. I think I've got one on my back garden, one of those twin spot ones. It's been still on there for years, not Mr. Trick. It's yeah, decent. mine's still going strong, to be honest. Because I've got a theory about LED floodlights. I think they're all the same. I think they're all the same. I don't different think there's much the technology different in them. Yeah, I think usually when they fail, it tends to be the PIRs, isn't it, that goes wrong yes. rather than the drivers and the LED modules. They get full of water. For whatever reason, they're designed for IP44, even though they get left out in the driving rain forever and a day, and they um, fill water and brick. That's usually what goes wrong. Do you know what I am, though? I am the master of setting them correctly. Yeah, well, we've got a story about that. Matthew's been back to the same job twice this last week because he's been unable to set one successfully. So he needs to learn from you. And the LAP one, I'll tell you what. It's better to set than the Collingwood one because it's got one minute, three minutes, and ten minutes actually written on there. And I timed it. They're perfect. All the sensors actually do what they say. You know, like some of them, you put them on and it's like, you'll turn it up just a little bit. It does nothing. You even need to turn it on full whack or off. That's the adjustment you get. The dial is a myth. It does nothing. (laughs) Exactly. But the LAP ones, it did. So you know what? I'm going to stick by my opinion. LAP are better than Collingwood. Yeah, well, I know you've got a better chance of having a sponsorship deal with now, and it's not Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> or listen, I'll never have another sponsor again. I cannot. Is that you done with sponsors now? You're never having sponsors on this show. Well, I've got the shop, right? And the shop is this sh- takes all the stress out of it because I have um, I have Verso who who sponsored the show via the shop, um, and you know. It's just easier to go through the shop because it generates the revenue. I don't have to be answerable to sponsors and stuff like that. It's just a nice way of doing it, I think. I think it's a new evolution of how to do it. But so you're going to add talking... a few more products to the shop. Have you got any exciting products that could be coming to share with your audience? I do. I do. Go on. I know you want to tell everyone. But it's well, not a thing yet. It's not a thing yet. No, we can't. I don't want. I don't, I don't want. I don't want to take your your thunder or encourage people to go and buy stuff in places that already exist. So wait until you've got it. Yeah, so, I've got something very sexy coming out um, in the new year. I think it's going to be a game changer. I agree. It's one to look out for. It's something that every electrician will love and need. It's not that expensive, and it's going to be branded up in Sam's sexy logo style behind him. So it's well worth keeping your eyes out for that. And I've made orders with Sam. I'm a paying customer from his shop, and I can vouch for it being legit, decent. The Verso gears, top Apart notch. So go, go show him some support. He pitches up doing these live podcasts every week. If you need some electrical gear, go off and give it a try. He's not paying me to say this, unfortunately. Um, I'll give yeah. you some free stock. Now, I tell you, the biggest problem at the moment is um, compact RCBOs. They are out of stock everywhere. We can't get any at the moment, and it's driving me mad. So if you're going to make an order, it's two RCBOs at the moment. Um, they're going to be back. At the, the compact RCBOs are going to be back in stock in the second week of November. Um, Marco, what yes. else are we going to talk about? I'm sure we had something else we are going to talk about. I think that was sort of it, mate. The the, the MCS aspect was the, the main thrust of the discussion that that's, well, that's all really, changed. That's- that's really crap. So what's new with you, mate? What have you been up to? Tell me a story from your life. We've been on with the solar stuff. As I say, we did our steepest roof the other week. That was a bit a bit uh, sketchy for me. You know, you know I don't like heights. But the why pitch... would a, why would a, a, a um, vertically challenged uh, um, man who's afraid of heights get into doing solar? Because the younger people in my company want to get into solar, and I recognise I'm not going to be doing this in the business for very much longer, I would say. So I'm trying to position it in a way that's set up for them rather than for me. They want to do it. 
Um, and you've got to you've got to face your fear sometime, haven't you? I think the best way of overcoming stuff is to face that fear. I've been getting up on roofs, lumping panels around, and joining in. Not as much as the other people in the team, but I am there giving it a shot. Yeah, Hackwood Electrical. I've been asked to go to the same floodlight three times to swap the timings by thirty seconds each time. I told oh, them to put it. Up. I, is... I, would, I would just be like, no, I'm not doing it. I was like. Like I'll go back once. Like I said to the lady, I don't, I, I don't just say, I was like, if you have, if you want me to change it, it's no problem. I'll just pop round. And local ones, it's not really a problem because on your rounds you can just pop in, and you know you've only got it. Literally, take you one second to go and do it. But it is a pain in the ass, isn't it? That's why a lot of these smart lights come into their own. If you've got um, a ring floodlight or a, a Google one, they're a lot more expensive, obviously, but you can log into them through the Wi-Fi, yeah. change the brightness, change the timing, sensitivity, if you want it to pick up the cats crapping on your garden or not, all of that is user-selectable from your home. You don't have to rock up to someone's house. Yeah, the problem with that is, though, it's like all this smart stuff is just so accessible by nefarious sources. And like, I, like the one thing I hate is when my wife goes away and she's monitored, she's like a... She's like a weirdo with the ring doorbell. So she'll be away and I'll go out and I'll fanny about in my car. I might walk up, up to the garage or something. And she'll be like, where are you? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, where are you? I've, I've just gone up the road, babe. Why, why are you even asking? She goes, oh, I just saw you on the ring doorbell. I'm like, don't worry. <laughs> I'm disconnecting that. When she goes away this weekend, they're getting disconnected. Because I hate being monitored. There's a lot of that with everything, isn't there? One of the... Um... I think it was maybe a couple of years ago now, an electrician had his Vanden on his drive and I went to see him, did a bit of a tool drop, tried to help him out of it. But he told me that the whole streets, ring doorbells, flood security cameras, all these Wi-Fi cameras were all blocked by the criminals who came down the street and did about five or six vans. Apparently they can do that. So no one had any footage. It had all no. been totally blocked out. So this stuff, whilst it's convenient, easy to install, you know, it's... Easily circumnavigated. Oh, because they got that thing. It's called a blipper. It's like I don't a know little. What they do? No, it's like a little white and orange thing, and it's like the ultimate hacking tool. You, you used to be able to buy it online. For, they're about fifteen quid. It's called a blipper, and you can literally go up to a car. You know, we'll go up to a key for a car, scan it, and then you can unlock the car with the blipper. All kinds of stuff. Like you can scan the Wi-Fi, block that, the whole lot. So that was a thing that was about for a while. But yeah, imagine this, was a, that. this was a busy street. This was like maybe 20 odd cameras and they all were taken offline at the same time. A few vans down the street got done. Um, so yeah, if you're getting cameras, get hardwired ones. I think that's the, the message with all of that. Oh yeah, for sure. See, I'm thinking of putting camera on uh, like a PTZ camera on the side of my house because I live at the mouth of the road and I feel like I'm the guardian for the road. So I need to Oh my something. word. You're the guardian of the street. You're the, the centre of your area you shall not pass yeah i can imagine you stood out there as well doing that you'd yeah. love it the end of time zombie apocalypse i can see you reveling in that you would absolutely love it i would mate i would listen i think we're going to wrap this up boy um thank you marco for jumping on with us uh well with me jamie's let me down again i'm gonna smack his bum bum um yeah mate thank you very much is there anything you want to add any shouts you want to give to yourself no, not really. Just thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed having a chat again. And for anybody who did nominate us for that ECN award, appreciate it. Yeah, and if you don't win, it's a fix. Electricians Podcast, we are out.